another another Mythic Morons episode. New week, new episode. New episode of WandaVision. We'll get into that. Yep. Deeply. Pretty pretty much, yeah. So this this episode will be uh solely on the WandaVision, right? We don't got much to much else stuff to talk about. It's a bit Maybe been a slow week, Godzilla I guess. Stuff for me, Actually, but... you know what? That's a good yeah, let's talk about that trailer. The Godzilla trailer that came out. It's so I, I know stupid. you were I hyped. love it. I know you've been hyped and looking forward to that one for a while, so that must have been Chris's morning for you to see that up online. I just, I just hope this movie does well. Yeah. Because, like, Godzilla has such, like, a plethora of fun, stupid monsters that I still want to see, like, the this, like, Americanized version of each of them. Mm-hmm. But, like, with due process, because, like, you know, the original American versions of things usually never work out, but... Legendary seems to know what they're doing. They're staying faithful to the Toho films. So, you know, I still want to see Destroya. I still want to see Mecha King Ghidorah. I still want to see Space Godzilla. I still want to see Biolanta. All these fucking dumb monsters. Um, and you know, I what? think it actually, it yeah, there's a popular. chance. There's a chance he'll get that right now because the hype for this movie is looking big right now. You know, it is. It got like when I first checked out the trailer, it was about four hours into its release and it almost on just one of the websites or just one of the youtube channels it almost had like five million views already so jeez yeah um people people are are craving for something new yeah there something new and a godzilla movie is almost like a perfect blockbuster to kind of just get into the the zeitgeist right now i think it's it's just the the dumb action movie that we need in the world I know, and I usually don't like dumb action movies, but I don't know. I take exception to big dumb monsters for some reason. Yeah, this one got me hyped. The fact that it's like, I don't know, like the last time I feel like I've seen like a kaiju movie that's been, you know, just all out, you know, no holds back was probably Pacific Rim. You know, I I, like, I really enjoyed the uh, the 2014 Godzilla, like the one this is, I guess, a sequel kind of to. I really enjoyed that. Um, good filmmaking behind that and just a good grounded sensibility. And I think they're kind of, they're continuing that element into this movie from what I've seen in the trailer. You know, like a lot of the shots felt um, like very handheld on the ground, kind of. It gave the point of view that like these these kaiju are just ginormous beings that can level a city, you know, in a matter of seconds. And that's kind of what we're getting a glimpse at. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. If they're just going to go no holds barred, like let's just go Independence Day in this bitch and go for it, you know? Yeah, 100%. And. I don't know. I already see like Godzilla fanboys and like kaiju fans sort of like complaining. It's like, oh, chill out. Like, this is the first trailer. And it's obviously yeah. a misleading trailer. Like, it sets up the conflict. Like, Godzilla is doing some weird shit. We don't know why. Here's Kong to probably try and stop him. It's making Kong seem like a bit of the protagonist in this situation. That, that threw me off guard for a bit. I didn't realize I might be rooting for Kong in this movie. Uh, most people aren't. Mm, I've seen I've seen different I've seen most people are like yeah Kong's gonna I mean Godzilla looks like more of the formidable force but in the trailer it looks like Kong you know Kong's got a weapon with him he's got this what were you saying it was you had a pretty interesting take on the the axe yeah uh, Kong like obviously like so you have big dumb lizard monster that shoots radiation out of its mouth right right and to counter that you have big dumb monkey that's smart and can make tools and it showed it like Kong Skull Island like he knows how to use tools like he would use tree branches and like at the end of the movie he like was able he was smart enough to like attach a chain onto a boat propeller and use it as like a right. wrecking uh, ball yeah anyway, <laughs> which is so dumb but yeah still um so 
he's obviously smart enough to make tools, and in this case, he makes an axe out of Godzilla's um, dorsal plate. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of his spikes on the back. So that's why, like, when Godzilla is shooting his atomic breath and Kong is blocking it with his axe, it's actually, like, absorbing the radiation. Right, yeah. And, and turning blue like Godzilla's spikes turn blue when he shoots yep. his atomic breath. So, I don't know. Little details like that are just really cool that, like, they know they know like this is dumb shit that we want to see yeah um i already have like an idea of exactly how the movie's going to play out and that's fine Mm -hmm. like it works for me yeah my only hope is that they don't rely too much on the human element in this movie as weird as it sounds you know like i think past godzilla movies have kind of uh like other than like you know the the old like 90s american ones i mean they, they've used the human element wisely we talked about shin godzilla pretty recently and i think that did a really excellent job in like kind of providing a commentary sort of and yeah i just don't want like the protagonist to be all human-centered conflicts and like emotional drama like i don't care just get to the fighting get to the uh kaijus you know like let them shine in this movie i, I hope that's it because they're working with like an ensemble cast too there's millie bobby browns in it and like just a bunch of actors that i feel like Mm-hmm. might demand a lot of the screen time but i hope it doesn't go in that direction you know well millie bobby, millie bobby brown's character is like a recurring character like she was in the 2019 film right along yeah, yeah. with her dad is in this films too um uh-huh. uh fucking but like there's little like okay spoilers please like skip ahead i don't know a couple minutes um do you care if i spoil what's in the movie we don't know what's in the movie, but it, at this point, exactly what you what you have, unless you've read leaks or anything, it would be a theory. But if you if you know what's up, then uh, um, well, I've read leaks, but like things in the trailer have confirmed the leaks. Okay, I would say let's save it for now. Okay, unless you're really antsy to get There's into it. There's literally two frame shots of of the thing, though. Okay, I know what you're gonna talk about. You're gonna talk about like the little glimpse of potentially Mechagodzilla. That's been trending on Twitter, so I think that's okay to talk about. Yeah, but you're like, you're for certain almost like that's going to be an antagonist 100 percent. there's two yeah. frames within the trailer where you can actually physically see mecha godzilla okay yeah i'm i'm of the same camp of believing that and the more i rewatch the trailer i think they've almost given that away to a t um smartly do you think so yes because like um, i feel like this is kind of like a doomsday situation in justice or in uh batman versus superman where they showed no. They they're didn't. showing all their cards or potentially revealing many of their cards you know but i i on twitter i saw the director tweeted um we've just seen the kind of monster iceberg of this movie so far so whatever that means right like if, if this is just the tip of the iceberg um then we we can ponder on it all we want i guess if you think about batman v superman in that first trailer like they like mm-hmm. have the money shot of doomsday they're not yeah. doing that with this like I think they still purposely put Mecha Godzilla in the trailer so fans would start like these trends. guessing a bit. Yeah, I think it was marketing. Play. Right. Oh yeah, I think that's that's a good that's a good um like uh bet because they're they're kind of keen on what the fans are doing on Twitter nowadays. So just and to if drive you've been, the conversation. If you've been following this movie for a long time, like I have, you've known mm-hmm. that Mecha Godzilla is going to be in this film for like a year. Mm-hmm. So. Like it's it's no surprise for like the more attentive fans like I am. And yeah, when I, I rewatched the trailer and in, in the um, like the fanfare logo kind of when Warner Brothers logo comes on, the legendary logo comes on, it's like they're kind of just revealing it right there too with the uh, 
little tech kind of blue tech graphic uh oh yeah those lines going and i was like what is that at first and then you know we talked about it after and i was like yeah okay they're kind of just giving into the fact there's going to be some mecha element going on which one i'm, I'm here one for thing i'm loving about this movie or what i'm seeing is like the color because mm. a lot of it within the godzilla and 2019 kind of tried to fix this but it was still like the final battle was gray um within 2014 and 2019 but mm. in this one like they're fighting in hong kong and it's like neon yeah. lit up and like i yeah. think that aesthetic is gonna go so well with like the cybernetic component of mecha that Godzilla. and the monster kaiju just all out battle like uh I, it seems familiar to me like i've seen this visual elements before guillermo del toro kind of did very similar uh aesthetic shots in in pacific rim and and i've you know on twitter this past week when people have been talking about it like that's all they're talking about is like how cinematically fucking orgasmic the movie's already looking and then it's a masterpiece already i mean it it, it looks great don't get me wrong um but yeah i, I guess i have nothing bad to say about that 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 it, it's choosing a it's choosing a really like eye-catching and eye-popping style like one is the the choice of colors i think that it's using lots of oranges and blues just to you know give you that sci-fi and um kind of naturalistic vibe like kind of two things coming head to head um if that makes sense you know yeah and like colors associated with kong have always been oranges like if you look at kong skull island skull island was very orange very very green yeah like godzilla has always been associated with like gray and blue blue so like a bit of blue yeah orange versus blue sort of yeah very on the nose there with their with their aesthetic choices fair enough to them so good choice anyways uh i'm very happy i'm very very happy yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious are we gonna watch this movie in theaters because i don't want to watch this movie for the first time in my living room i don't i think they're trying to get it to come out in theaters yeah. march 26 they're, they're saying march yeah right march 26 i mean yeah right now where we live there's no there's no theaters going on so hopefully they figure this out because this is something that I would I would want to see on IMAX, like on the biggest screen possible, I feel. Oh, yeah. And just the sound you know? design is going to be incredible. Mm. That's something from the 2014 Godzilla that I, I kind of like became more aware of, I think, in just film in general was the sound design. Because that 2014 did, film did it like the Jaws technique of like you hear the approach of the beast before you see the beast in full in, in like its full scope and scale. Um, and like the sound design for Godzilla is just immaculate. So yeah, I'm excited. You just pointed that one out too. And like, obviously the soundtrack, like Godzilla themes are the best themes, mm. whether it's like, you know, the classic, like, dun, 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 dun. or I like, um, his more heroic theme from some of the later movies, which they, they showed in, oh, some TV spot anyways. So like, they're still using like some of the classic Toho themes, which is awesome yeah it feels weird that we're seeing the first trailer for this movie and it comes out in like eight weeks that's what people are saying like but like in today's world that's not actually so i guess in today's world there's it's not as jarring but usually this would mean uh we're in shaky waters but i don't think that might be like i i'm more loose on my my um apprehensions i guess for this movie just the fact we're seeing a trailer at all and potentially the movie in theaters will be enough i think yeah for sure yeah Anyways, yeah, on to the main discussion, uh, right? This week we're back onto Wandavision episode four. 
three. Um, episode three. Sorry, I got I got ahead of myself there. I got excited. You're episode excited three. for episode four. Because I am very excited three. for episode four. There you go. There you go. Things are kicking a gear. We left our last episode of Mythic Morons kind of theorizing where's this episode going to go. And I very stupidly said, oh, yeah, they're going to pace this season all kind of slow, I feel. And we're not going to get big reveals or kind of we're, we're going to see these reveals kind of incrementally increase, but at a slow pace, I guess. And you said like that you hoped at least that it would kick into gear sooner rather than later. And that's kind of what you thought. And that's kind of what happened in episode three. Right. Where like I, I needed that escalation. Yeah. Um, An escalation you got. Yes, an, es- an escalation I got, an explanation I did not. Um, right. Which is perfect because, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? I want to watch episode four because, you know, what the fuck happened? But, yeah. Um, the cookie anyway. the cookie trail is just, it's it's becoming longer. It's becoming, they're leaving more trails out now of mystery into, like, what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, a quick summary possibly, I guess, we can give of the episode. Uh, I want to say they're paying homage to, like, the Brady Bunch kind of shows, like 1960s family dramas. Yes. Um, of like I just want to say, like, mm-hmm. aesthetically, this is my favorite episode so far. So far, yeah, yeah. This one was really, this one was really cool. Uh, I don't know something about the colors. That, I don't know. It I, was because like, th- this era is like the birth of Technicolor, and that's kind of what we get to see. You know, we get to see these very vibrant sets and costumes and. Um, and I don't know, like, how they're filming this. If they're using very, like, era-appropriate lenses. But that kind of texture is also there of, like, old-school television. I, and I don't think they're just kind of placing a filter over it. I feel I want to feel like they're doing more than that. So the whole kind of package just really... It, it works for me, too. It feels like you're in a toy house watching these characters kind of do their thing. Right. And, like, another new house. Like, an episode two is a new mm. house. So it's like, that's weird. But, like, I guess they're continuing with the theme. Like every sort of era gets a new house yeah yeah although um like i was i forget like in at the end of episode one was there like a transition into the era of sitcom for episode two i don't know we got that in episode two but not in episode one where wanda herself kind of distorts the reality uh and we we see that play out in episode two yeah so uh i'm wondering if we're gonna get another new aesthetic for episode four like, yeah I, wonder... I think we are i think from the what i remember in the trailers and if i if i'm just kind of theorizing here i think the next episode is gonna be the what like the episode that kind of pays homage to the old school marvel comics which i believe will be like 70s era sitcom kind of thing but it, it's gonna ha- bring back that very comic book costume design um and i don't know where the story is gonna go from there but anyways yeah like i think they're gonna continue this trend going forward yeah but like okay so um sort of this episode was really weird Mm -hmm. um in terms of like even the sitcom plot was like a little much for me i I do remember laughing i don't know at what i do remember laughing though like okay like they actually got me a couple times before Mm -hmm. i was just smiling throughout episode one and two like okay yeah you're doing it I get it. Um, I think episode three did get me a couple times, though. Um, So definitely, like, the funniest episode for me. But what a weird sitcom plot. Yeah, yeah, it it was definitely weird. But they were, were, like, leaning on that weirdness. They wanted... I've heard a lot of people make, like, the comparison that this is, like, Lynchian, uh, 
weird fantastical storytelling. And I think this episode more than any is definitely quote unquote Lynchian. Um, in just that it's it's like it's leaning in on that weirdness more than anything. And yeah, I don't know I don't know how much I actually was like into the the plot with like the the, the doctor and I mean it it became more interesting as you know, like it became clear, like Wanda's, it's not going to prolong the birth of these babies. Like I initially, I thought like, okay, this episode is probably just going to drag out the story of like, she's pregnant or something. But by the end of the episode, she actually gives birth to, to two babies, to twins. Um, so that became unexpected to me. And it just over the course of the episode as like new elements kind of came into play with it. But as soon as Geraldine, honestly, kind of her character came into the scene, um, that's when I started getting like, really deep into what's going on and and i it it showed i guess just a more truer nature of wanda and her state of mind in this episode you know before like everything kind of going on is like shows just wanda all hippy dippy and she's loose and she's ha like in a way like having fun you know she's like she's talking like how people in this world would have talked and then suddenly there's like a shift in the middle of the episode where it's just like whoa reality sort of broke there yeah and they've been doing that casually um yeah. but this one was the first one where it it kind of gave you a pretty good idea of like what is actually happening in a way an overarching idea um i have no idea why it's happening i have no idea how it's happening but i kind of know what's happening mm -hmm. um and it seems as though like I was talking villains in the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, seems as though that Wanda may be some type of villain here in the show. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same belief right now that she's the antagonist essentially of the story. Um, yeah, I'm under the impression right now that, like, you know, sh what we see is like Vision is sort of cluing into the weirdness of what's going on in this world. And he's kept track since the first episode of the Hart family dinner. And then, um, yeah, like just everything that's happened since that point that something's weird with the people and, and he has a weird interaction with his neighbors too, which like, we'll talk about that. Like I'd want to make sense of kind of everything going on, but we see that the more aware he's getting Wanda is like, no, I don't want, I don't want you to know the truth of what's going on. And she sort of reverses visions uh awareness she um just like she we've seen this before she was able to rewind the reality sort of and she's doing that she's manipulating vision so that he doesn't know what's going on that's one key information i guess that we get from this episode right but like is vision even real yeah that's what before we were talking about like is he just a construct of wanda's mind like any other character on the set but in this episode to me it, me it it seems like he's as real as wanda or he is to a limit as aware as a as her you know it or he almost, has a sense of awareness i don't know it almost feels like wanda just wandered into a town and then took everyone in that town hostage as a way to play out her reality Mm -hmm. because the neighbors seem as though like they kind of just have to play along play nice i'm trying to think of a good comparison of like you know um 
like these types of characters exist throughout multiple mediums. It's these... sort of it's sort of Truman Showy. I think that's kind of like a comparison there. Yeah, it's like it's that like yeah, it's just this... that super surveillancey kind of like everybody is like you are the odd man out in the town and everybody else has some higher form of inf- or higher level of information about the world that current setting or something mm-hmm. um yeah that i still question like are they real people or are they hostages like in this episode i'm i'm leaning more on the fact that you know maybe everybody is dead and she just brought a bunch of dead people back to life to create a fictional town but by the end of the episode we realize like the town itself is a real place like a real setting so i i don't know that's a good point, though. Maybe she's holding an actual town captive, but... I don't know. Like, maybe the extent of her powers are not, you know, so well fleshed out to the point where, like, she can just create her own reality. She maybe needs to, like, have some type of basis. She's basically acting like, I don't know, like a um, if Kim Jong-un decided to... Um, I don't know, make a make-believe town with a make-believe family. Right. It feels like a <laughs> North Korea-type situation. And right. Vision is none the wiser, if he's even real, which is, I don't know. I, I this, this is, like, part of the reason why I never really got into Marvel, because, like, the continuity stuff and, like, all the extra information that you kind of need, it's tough to keep track of, mm-hmm. um, for me especially, because I have no investment within Marvel when I was a kid, I was always DC. So I don't know. It's getting slightly confusing still, which is fine. Cause they got time to work it out. How many episodes mm-hmm. are in a season? Eight. I think, I think they're going for eight, eight or nine. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, they're not Should even halfway check. through yet. So we're, we're, we're on the right track still, but, um, I don't know. It, it's Wanda's seems as though she just, something happened to her i think she snapped post endgame like i'm under the impression she snapped um in some capacity has gone off radar like off the you know off the leash in in a a way of like shield or, or the authorities of the world and she's sort of you know realized as this really dangerous potential so that's why there's these government agents kind of surrounding her um yeah so i want to talk about geraldine that character real quick um we get a really interesting um interaction between her and wanda my favorite part of the series so far where wanda sort of breaks her false character after she gives birth and she brings up her dead brother pietro who um i don't know if you remember but he's obviously from avengers in uh what is it fucking age of ultron the second avengers movie yeah. um and he's killed by ultron of course and this is the first time in the entirety of like the marvel cinematic universe where i felt like this universe okay maybe not the first time because i already mentioned like guardians of the galaxy sort of did this but in in the fact that this universe is like way larger than a handful of movies that it's interconnected that there's consequences and implications to what happened in previous films so obviously that you know the second avengers movie would have had a worldwide impact like influence on the world and the people on earth so for geraldine to kind of bring up ultron and bring up her brother in that kind of way possibly as a means to like shake her out of 
a trance that she might think that she's in like i don't know like just to maybe wake her up and it seems like that effect kind of worked it, it sort of shook wanda out of this fakeness that she's playing out like this fake reality that she's playing out and tonally like everything sort of shifts in that scene and i think these like moments like that is like what i'm like i'm i'm waiting for in this kind of show i'm just like the tension is just constantly building to uh to something a, a revelation like this and the first episode had it with um the the beekeeper and all that was the second episode um and just uh yeah like the the moment the tone sort of shifts away from this funky 60s pop you know intro music kind of score and it just gets into this dark and like grim kind of this grim score and and the way wanda is even shot and like she's shot to look like a villain that's that's what i feel that's the vibe i get she's just like this imposing maniacal kind of person at this point and the second she sort of starts singing in that european her european accent comes back and starts singing in sokovian i thought whoa like this is this is at a dark place now this is a wanda's sort of um unhinged at this moment and yes. and then we see her actually unhinged yeah one critique of the show i guess i can sort of fathom up is it it seems rather formulaic so far to where the only thing of interest or interesting to talk about are the final moments of each episode mm -hmm. um and you're kind of just like waiting and patiently waiting for like for, something to happen for that to happen and you yeah. kind of are could care less about the sitcom quality yeah I mean, um, at this point on rewatches, I'm interested to go back on rewatch and see what are the little things that they're laying in the sitcom elements, you know, uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, the kind of in-universe ads that they do, I think that's going to have some significance to the end, like to the end of the story. I don't know what, I have no idea where to even start guessing with that, but I think this show might like, you're right, like this, at this point, we're all waiting for those kind of moments and I think they do that well too, where it's it's building up tension for for those payoffs. Um, they do and it's it well. A slow it's burn. Just, I, I need them like okay, you know how I said that I need them to ramp it up. Yeah. Um, in the last episode, uh, now I I need them to sort of change the formula to keep me really yeah. invested. I I um, agree. Yeah. I hope I think we'll get that at some point because I'm looking at it right now and the season is nine episodes. And I can't imagine they do. They continue to do the each episode paying homage to a you know a, a sitcom era for the entire season because they can't really do that at this point. I think that'll end at some point, and then the show will kind of dive fully into the the government aspect of uh, like the government versus Wanda, Sword versus Wanda. Like that will be, I guess, the primary or the secondary plotline of the show that just continues forward you know you know what i mean again like what's um, the difference between shield and sword like why is sword the one that needs to deal with this rather than right just shield? Well, from my impression shield is sort of over at this point like shield ended a while ago a couple yeah. movies back oh that's and right they did it wasn't a fucking civil no not civil war winter soldier, winter soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah winter yeah. soldier like imploded shield and then in the end of captain marvel we see nick fury the real nick fury is off in space sort of forming shield or forming sword sorry um so we see the introduction of sword in uh in captain marvel that's why the um geraldine character is actually 
the daughter of a character from Captain Marvel. So there's a little bit of connection. I don't know how important that's going to play out. Um, but yeah, that's just an interesting fact. And if you know, if you're to go into the the cast list right now of this show, there is like potentially spoilery cast listings already on there that um you know that just kind of reveal the potential direction the show is heading and like i'll just say because this is not really a spoiler if it's on google you know but fucking james spader is listed as a as a cast member on this show james spader voiced ultron so we can you know positively assume that ultron in some capacity uh makes an appearance and ultron is sort of like the surrogate father of vision and in a way wanda also in a weird way so yeah like in all in all this is like the way this is sort of tying into past mcu stories and just like creating something new and mysterious is like i'm I'm just digging that a lot i'm really liking the mystery element kind of evolve where are you seeing james spader i'm, I'm on like the mdb and i can't see it if you look on if you look on the if you just type in cast on google um james spader pops up where is he yep Ultron voice. You know, like on the Google search where it shows like all the pictures oh, of. What the fuck? Why isn't he on the IMDb? Yeah, it's right. It's not on the IMDb, but for some reason it's on Google. And also, Evan Peters is listed in the cast, and Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the X Men Marvel movies or in the Fox Marvel movies. So really weird stuff going on. Like they're, they're they can potentially do some like game changing stuff. Like I don't know. I'm reaching out there to say they might introduce mutants and the X-Men in some, some capacity in the show. I don't Isn't it I have no idea. Already but, confirmed that like X-Men's going to be part of the MCU now. Yeah, that's that's confirmed. That will happen for sure. I I would just be surprised if they get into it like so soon after Endgame ended and like through this show. That would just surprise me. That'd be really weird. Yeah. Um, maybe like how you said like this wasn't supposed to be the first thing that came out. It mm-hmm. might now maybe work in their favor yeah in a way with x-men but it's so weird like why would you is evan peters also gonna play quicksilver right yeah i mean he could he could like wanda's brother from another dimension like i don't know i don't know how they're gonna do that yeah um i that's that's when things get really messy because like the fucking x-men timeline is already messy enough yeah, I think that's completely going to be disregarded at this point. I think they'll just go for some multi-universe or um, multiverse sort of explanation for things and just say, oh, well, we fucked up somewhere and two universes got collided into one or something like that or, you know. But, like, okay, in, in this episode, I still want to kind of figure out, like, what is what is Vision's story right now? Like, you brought up a good point. Is he even alive? Is he a memory or is he like partially conscious you know i i'm under the belief that he's at least partially alive because he's not like other characters in this make-believe town or world he's not like fully under wanda's grip you know there's still a bit of vision left there i don't know man because like I, i don't know maybe i need to google some more shit but um and everything with the infinity stones is super fucking messy because of the timeline yeah yeah it is and i just it's it's so weird i hope in future episodes we kind of get more of vision story like the show is called wandavision so i want to believe they play pretty equal parts into the there's gonna be some conflict between 
Wanda and whoever this vision is. Um, and that might be the main conflict of the story until maybe mm-hmm. Wanda figures out what she's doing isn't exactly ethical or the morally right thing to do if what we assume is true. I would love it if, like, at the end of the season, they just go full horror and, like, Wanda's in, like, this fucking insidious state and she has white hair and fucking black eyes and she's just, like, just a complete contrast to the Wanda we've been seeing in throughout the series, which is, like, this nicely neat-dressed Wanda. You know, like, I would, I would love to see in the base reality that Wanda is, like, truly a witch. You know, we see the Scarlet Witch. Um, in like the scariest sort of form or like the most horrific form we've seen a character in the MCU. I would I would hope, you know, Marvel doesn't pull its punches in the show and kind of goes, just takes the risk of like showing us something scary. I, I have a feeling, I have that kind of eerie feeling that this show won't end pleasantly. And um, yeah, you brought up a good point, like potentially Vision and Wanda are the main conflict and they kind of come come into a clash at the end. And what is the implications of that? Who knows? Um I but think he, that might work, and I think, yeah, they're actually maybe hinting towards that because yeah, there's that there's the the large thriller elements throughout each of the episodes, and I don't know like if particularly that can translate into like a good horror element, but you could still ramp up the thriller elements and have for sure thriller centric episodes with regards to like um, Wanda being on edge and, and Wanda yeah. being like the gun in the room that needs to go off right right and that's oh good good uh cinema analogy there that's sort of what i think we're seeing right now is that that pre-checkoff's gun like that gun being cocked you know we're seeing bits of wanda's power potential her men you know we're seeing little bits of like what true wanda is right now and at the end we're just gonna see something go off in her i hope um yeah yeah i don't know it's i had a, it, I had a thought just now hmm. i thought this episode would give me so much more mm-hmm. and upon first viewing it get felt that way but like there's still so much questions there's like, a lot left to see yeah i mean for episode three i think this is a good jumping off point like like you said i think they're ramping up into that element now of mystery and you know speaking of thrillers like i feel like as soon as that score shift happens and we see like insidious wanda like the show becomes a thriller when when geraldine and wanda start you know they're head to head in it for a second there and Wanda's just like questioning what she was talking about like for me and and with the cross cutting to vision talking to his neighbors tripping out completely um it, that just worked perfectly as like sort of a thriller and just like it, it, it not like a thriller in a scary sense but it just carried those elements of I guess like the heart rate was going up a little bit like they wanted to invoke that sense of impending doom in a way um, and, and then that just, yeah. Know what I'm surprised about that you didn't talk mm-hmm. about? Um, like the framing shifts. The framing shifts. I was just going to get to the aspect ratio thing at the end. Yeah, yeah. But did you notice any other framing shifts? Not really, no. Like, mm-hmm. I was hoping that you... There's the one main... Yeah, no, I did want to talk about that for sure. That's been one of my favorite things in the show. And that happens gloriously in this in this episode. Like, kind of in the middle of the reality, in the in the... 60s reality like the the screen explodes into wide and then we're like sucked out of it into the base unsaturated reality like i don't know i I don't know how much there's to actually talk about that but i just i love it on a visual level 
I love me, the implications yeah, of it too. and on a visual level. Because like you go yeah. from like this super colorful sitcom thing, and then all of a sudden we have like uh, MCU color palette with like oh yeah, a different completely framing. unsaturated. Yeah, yeah, different framing style, different like it's it's like completely like tellable to me at least that everything changes at that point like from a from a filmmaking level but to a tone level of course like the the camera becomes much more hd and like you said it it represents that kind of true to the mcu color palette of just like unsaturated colors and unsaturated world um and yeah we go from that texturized and vibrant 1960s world immediately pulled into this you know just modern day um and like i've never seen it done quite like this before where like in camera like within the show the aspect ratio just metamorphosizes into that kind of thing and yeah i love that i want to see more of that go on for sure and to me it's just a much smarter way like through the medium of filmmaking of telling you what is reality and what isn't versus Absolutely, like explaining yeah. it through dialogue or some sort of scripture. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, use the screenplay to your advantage. It's a, yeah, I've never seen like aspect ratio used as a storytelling device quite like this, where people would like shy away from sort of revealing that side of filmmaking, you know, like that's in a way breaking the fourth wall. And this show uses it as a, proper storytelling mechanic in like you said letting the audience know that this is a different reality now and yeah just a very smart way to give that information and visually interesting in the fact that they're like at the end there you know at that end shot we see the government outside surrounding this town the the town i thought it was a fictional town but it seems like it's a real town in the world um and there's like this energy field around there with that same sort of technicolor vibrant uh aesthetic and like atmosphere sort of encompassing that yeah. um i like to call it the jarvis aesthetic or like the jarvis two, aesthetic I like where that. Two, yeah. 2008 like iron man kind of just made the, yeah. the technological aesthetic of what the mcu would be and they just kind of kept it consistent throughout true but anyways uh I got nothing else to really say other than something even bigger needs to happen in the next episode. I know I keep saying that, but like it's hmm. true. I I think the pacing of the show is going like pretty damn well right now. So you're on I think like I'm gonna side with you now on, on the predictions with what's coming up next because I think they will like in the next episode at least really you know, if the next episode is the halfway point or at least close to it, it's it should get into it and and yeah, you know i'm on i'm on twitter yeah i mean i'm on twitter and i see what people are talking about so paul bettany guy who plays vision said like episode four will blow people's mind as a little tease that you know something is coming and uh like you know we talked about in this episode there's potential returns of other mcu characters other non-mcu characters you know just coming into the fold and uh, that excites me like potentially ultron you know making an appearance and how the fuck will that influence the story and and just overall like like i'm 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 really kind of into this mcu trajectory um i think it's one of the greatest feats of accomplishment in filmmaking to be honest with you just one narrative or like the interweaving of narratives throughout a decade and through 
dozens of films at this point you know i think it's a feat that's never been accomplished before um and at least not like this at, at this capacity and and now they're transitioning into streaming shows and a different medium kind of now and yeah just the whole potential of this show is just it's never lost on me and i'm not i'm not at a lack of surprises at the same time so it's it's doing well i think in 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 where it's going it would yeah i'll just leave it at that Alrighty. so thanks everyone for listening uh be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Mythic Morons and to give us a rating on whatever you're listening to, whether that's Spotify, uh, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Um, much appreciated. Helps a lot. And yeah, guys, stay tuned till next week where we cover episode four and possibly yeah. a weekly, weekly catch up as well as, as long as yeah. school slows down. I might get it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully your schedule slows down and then hopefully we watch a movie or something and talk about that. I, it's been a while since I've actually watched a decent movie to talk about so hopefully get him back into that soon yeah yeah for sure all right all right see you guys next time peace